Brother Dave Mathis is, uh, he is assistant to the pastor at Word of Flame Church in Little Rock uh, under Pastor James Lumpkin. And he is just a tremendous part of the Arkansas district, a great evangelist and one that is getting ready to bless you and bless your family. What I need you to do right now is I need you to make sure that in this service, you don't just sit there and become an observer, but I want you to be a participator today. We're not just here to receive, but we are here to, uh, to participate in all that God is doing. And as we do that, God's going to move in our homes in a great way. I love you, Sanctuary Church. I'm so thankful for you. Brother Mathis, we want you to come and bless us today. Amen. I appreciate and give honor to your pastor, to the First Lady, my friends that are here, the Curtises. Um, we've grown to love them. And uh, also the Jacksons which are here as well, some friends of ours as, as well. So we're blessed to be here, and it is an honor, and I give honor to my pastor tonight, today, uh, James Lumpkin, Pastor James Lumpkin, and allowing me to be here uh, with you and in your living room. Um, it's, it's an exciting time. It was 1998, and I was living in an area called Naples, Florida. And in Naples, Florida, I was what I hung around with all the wrong people. I grew up in a uh, apostolic home. My father was a pastor. He was a evangelist. He he ministered all over the United States. But I left the church. And so when I was in Naples, Florida, I was out partying with my friends one night, and we were up till about four in the morning, and we decided we needed to leave and go to a friend's house, and we were going to stay there for the evening. And so we took off, and I had this 1989 5.0 Mustang, and it was sweet. And uh, it was a stick shift, and I tell you what, when you started up this car, everyone knew you were driving away. So I, I take off, and it's me and my friend. We're heading to his house, which he stayed with his uncle. And we were driving there, and, a, and again, it's about 4, 4.30 in the morning. We stop at a stop sign, and as we're stopped there, I begin to have a conversation with my friend. And again, we are impaired, and we stayed at this stop sign for probably about 20 minutes or so having a conversation. Well, at that early in the morning... On a Saturday morning, the cops, sure enough, pull up behind us, and there they were with the lights shining and flashing, and they came running up in these Hawaii 5.0 type shirts, and their guns were drawn, and they were yelling at us to get out of the car. And so we, I just kind of said like this, okay, sir, I'll, 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 you know, we'll get out of the car, and about that time, they've got, they had a, uh, a, a message on their radios, and they took off running. They said, you boys stay right there. And I was 18 years old and maybe a little dumb at what I was about to do. And so I fired up the car as they took off, and I looked at him. I said, bro, we are out of here, and we are going to go back the way we came. So... <laughs> 
I know, it really wasn't the best choice. Then all of a sudden, there was about 30 cars coming down the road with their lights on as well. And then a SWAT team that followed with them. And then they set a roadblock up behind us. And I looked at him, and as I turned off the car, I said, we're not going anywhere. So, again, we are impaired at the time. We have been drinking and doing drugs all night long. And we begin to hear fire, gunfire, and gunshots going off about an hour or so later. And it sounded like a battle was taking place. And we finally were able to leave and talk to some other police officers about what was going on. Well, see, my friend's uncle, at the time, he had done something earlier that day and got into trouble. And he went to his house, and when the cops finally figured out who he was and where he was, they went to his house with the SWAT team. And they had a shootout with this man, and everyone that was in that house died that night because they thought they were going to take on the police. And I thought about that moment sitting at that stop sign, and I was talking to my friend, and I was saying, hey, whatever's going on right now, let's just talk a little more. It's all right. And I thank God that we were pulled over at the time because we were held off just a little bit because how my mind was at the time, we would have picked up a gun and joined in with everyone in that house. So it does not matter where your walk is with God tonight or where your loved one is tonight when God has his hand on you he's got his hand on you hallelujah that's what God does he's awesome he's an amazing God and he is powerful so I want to talk to you a little bit tonight and my subject matter might sound a little different to your ears but just hold on for the ride and by the end of it you're going to see how God works things out. But the subject title would be this, Jesus Christ, or in a Jesus crisis. You see, sometimes we will end up in a crisis. We will end up, and I'm not necessarily talking about the crisis that our nation is facing today. To God, that is nothing. That crisis that's going on, I look at as an opportunity for the church. We're going into thousands of homes online, and it's because something has happened to where the nation is being brought to their knees to see what God is going to do. So I'm not talking about that crisis, but maybe a crisis that you're facing today. Maybe a cri maybe you've walked away from God and you don't know how to get back. I remember when 9-11 happened, and I was out of church at the time, and I, I remember the first thing I wanted to do was go to church the following Sunday. And I went to the church stoned out of my mind because I just had to, I was scared and I was terrified. And so I went to the church. It happened to be an Assembly of God church. And I walked in through the doors. There was the only people I could find that was still having service at that time. And I said, hey, 
I, 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 you know, this isn't my background. This isn't the type of church that I'm used to going to. But I remember going up to the altar and I just went to my knees. Now, this was a little unusual for them at the time. And I just began to weep and I began to bawl and cry out to God out of fear. And right now, our nation is looking for hope. Our nation is looking for the answer. So if you're in a crisis, a lack of Jesus, the Jesus crisis, I want to tell you that there is hope and that there is Jesus Christ for you today. Hallelujah. If you're at your homes, just begin to lift your hands for a few moments and thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. The simple fact that you're able to listen and watch this message today, he had more grace and mercy on you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah. I've come, I'm just telling you right now, I've come to have church. I know this might be a little different because it's online, but I've come to have church. He's awesome. He's done so much for me. It might sound like a cliche, but I can't tell it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something different also about the word prodigal. If you are a prodigal and you're listening, maybe you're that person that has been labeled as a prodigal. You You've wasted all that you could from the Father's house. There is another definition. You know, prodigal is not, that word is not in the Bible. But we have used that word. But there's also a prodigal father that a lot of times we don't talk about a whole lot in that sense of calling him the prodigal father. But some are surprised that God will let things happen. God will allow certain things to happen in our lives. He was able to, or he allowed things to happen in my life when I, was, when I had left the church and I was living on the streets at some points, or maybe I was dealing drugs or whatever was going on at the time. You see, he's not going to force you to do anything. There is, if he ever steps in, then you no longer have free will. You don't have a choice. You see, that's the way a father's love sometimes can be. He allowed him to waste everything, to even leave home because he had that choice. In the culture of Jesus' day, children did not leave the home when they became adults and married. The father simply added on to the house, especially if his estate was wealthy. To leave home was to leave everything, your family, your relationship. And you did not want to leave that future. But the father did not want his son to stay home if the son did not want to stay. He did not want him to be there out of some kind of obligation, if you will. Notice that the father does not go on or does not go to the distant country in search of his son. He will not rescue him against his will. He will not let him go until he has discovered for himself what the wor that the world is trying to give him maybe is even a lie. 
How ironic that the son's pursuit of pleasure will make pain his consistent companion. Lifestyle before they even come about. But when you are in the middle of that situation, it is not easy to see it. Sometimes you're not, it's not easy to see how it is. The prodigal son even got to the point where he had to shake himself. If you're familiar with the story, when he was laying in the pigs with the pigs and looking at the feed, the, the food that he was just desiring at that moment. He had to shake himself. And I believe what's going on with some people at home right now. There are some people that are tuning in that normally might not make it to church or might not make the live feed. But I pray that there's a shakening to where we are shaken and we come to ourselves. I know that the apostolic church is being shaken right now. And I like to call it an apostolic awakening. We are being awakened. It's kind of like when, when 9-11 did hit, they said the sleeping giant has awakened. Well, I believe what is going on right now is that the church, the apostolic church, is being awakened. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But here's the thing. Why is he called a prodigal son? The word prodigal is this, characterized by uh, wasteful or expenditure. It describes how the son spent his inheritance wastefully. The prodigal son. What are we doing with the blessings that God has given us? The worst part of this young man's life is not that he went away to the far country and wasted his inheritance, but that he never developed a relationship with his father. If he had, he never would have left home. We need to develop a relationship with our father we need to have a deeper relationship with our Father, especially now with the way times are. Your pastor was just saying, don't forget your devotionals. Don't forget to be in the Word. Don't forget to be in prayer because I want to have a relationship with the Father. I don't want to leave home if I've got a deeper relationship with you, God. I'm not going to leave. But right now, it's, it might be easy to maybe go to the pantry and pull out some Pringles and sit down on the couch and put the live stream up on the screen and just watch while you're eating your snacks. Well, I want to challenge some of the people that might be watching at home. Maybe this church that's watching at home. Put up the snacks. Put up everything else. Let's begin to worship God together. Let's call on Jesus Christ together because I don't want to have a religion. I want to have a relationship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to also tell you that prodigal also means this. Remember I mentioned the prodigal father. 
Here's also what the, the word prodigal means. Giving in abundance. Lavish in giving. Extravagant. The father was a prodigal father. He was abundant in love, lavish in giving it. But then the prodigal son talks to himself. And when he came to himself, like I was saying, he shook himself. You've got to be shaken. Luke 15, 19 to 20, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he, oh, hallelujah, when he was yet a great way off, just somebody say a great way off. I got a brother here that's going to help me with something real quick. If you'll just hand that to me. Right here in my hand, there's this flashlight. And on the handle of this flashlight is this red LED light that shows. One of my sisters, by the name of Tamara Baldwin, she gave this to me before I left and moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. And my father had a, a mantle from General Conference years ago that was prayed over. And there was a passing of the mantle, if you will. And we had a very closed type of ceremony with my family. And my sisters, all of my sisters were there. One had to join via FaceTime. But Tammy gave me something that day. She gives me this flashlight. And she says, if you ever lose your way again, use the light. Look for the light in the darkness. If you ever lose your way, I'm giving this to you because you found your way home. If you have lost your way, maybe you haven't been in church. You haven't walked through the doors of a church in a very long time. And maybe this is the first time you've seen a service in a very long time. There is a way out. There is a way out. There's a light so you can find that way. The Bible says that we need to repent. What does repentance look like? Repentance. Imagine 
with me, if you will. Can I use my brother right here real quick? Come up here. You're going to be in everyone's living room here in the next few moments. I want you to stand behind me, if you will, if that's all right. Yeah, right there, that's good. Sin. This is what repentance looks like. I can't necessarily put a label. Here, come a little closer for me, will you? I can't put a label on sin. Some people say, well, if you drink, smoke, and cuss, you're a sinner. We're all sinners, saved by grace. There's going to be some things that affect me that might not affect you. But sin is simply what is ever separating me from him. So this is my sin today. And let's imagine God is back here. Grace is back here. Mercy is back here. But this is the thing that is in my way. And it's so big and I can't do anything about it. My sin is big and I can't do anything about it. Stop laughing at home. I did not say he's big. This is an illustration. I love you. So let's back up a little bit. Let's keep going a little further back. And it's huge. And when I'm, when I'm up on that sin, it seems like I can't get over it. I'm an addict and I can't get over it. There's just too much. But when I have a changed mind and I say, okay, God, I can't do this anymore. God, you know my life. You know my lifestyle. I can't do it. I'm going to turn away with a changed mind. And I'm going to begin to walk away. I know it feels huge and I know it seems so large right now. But if I continue to walk out of this sanctuary and I go to the opposite end of that hallway and I turn around and I look back at that sin because you know how the devil is. The devil wants to tell, remind you of your past. And I get to that opposite end of the hallway and I look back. I could probably fit him inside of my fingers right there. That's because the further you walk away from sin, the easier it gets. So here's the other thing. Now I want you to go sit down. Thank you, brother. In your home, you can give him a hand clap or shoot him a text and say, bro, I see him. I see you right now. He just called you big. I didn't. They thought that. But here's the thing. The Bible says you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, let me be clear. It is not in the name of the Father. It is not in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. It is, but we don't go down using that verbiage, that, that, uh, using those words. Okay. The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. I am a father. I am a son. And I'm also a brother. But if I write a check or someone writes a check to me, they cannot put the name of the brother on it. They've got to put my name on that check. I've got to go down in his name. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for anybody that might be tuning in right now. You've got to be buried in his name. Now here's what, so repentance, we remembered how repentance was. Here's what baptism does. 
when I come up out of the water and I begin to question, Am I, is that really washed away? And the, and the devil starts to remind you of your past. And you say, hang on a second, devil. And you look back and it's gone. It is no longer there. Whatever was separating me from him, it's no longer there anymore. You see, that's how God works everything out. And then he says you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Evidence of speaking in other tongues. It sounds crazy. I know. But it's true. Everything I tell you right now, it is the truth. You see, if I was to take this iPad that I have sitting up here right now, and it was not mine, and I took off with it, and I was running, and I had it at my home, and the cops show up knocking on my door, and they know that I have stole something, and they take the iPad, and they say, okay, we're going to prove that this uh, or they're, they're going to prove that uh, it belongs to somebody else, and they begin to dust it for prints. And that individual that I took it from, they're going to find their prints on it. You see, when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is evidence. There's evidence. God's fingerprints is being applied. Yes, I believe on him, absolutely. But like the Bible says, have you received since you believed? Yes, I believe, I believe. But now I need to receive. That's how God works. Let me tell you this short story. I'll come to a close here. I was living in the world... And I thank God for praying parents, praying family. I've gone through rehab with my oldest sister. I had to stay at her house in Gaithersburg, Maryland. They were youth pastors for Brother Ron Libby. And I would go there, try to get off of alcohol and drugs and all this stuff. She invested so much time in me. Then I've got another sister named Valerie that she'd just been there for me through thick and thin. She would write letters. She would say things to me, pray for me. And then Tammy, of course, the one that gave me the flashlight. But I had these parents that would pray. I would come home from partying all night long. They would have no idea where I was. They tried to control me. Some people said, well, you know, I, I just shut you up in the room. I, I was like an escape artist. I mean, nothing was keeping me in. And so I would come home. And I remember one time I, I walked into the house and, and all my family was there. And they were all speaking in tongues. Well, you see, I had been, uh, I had been uh, getting into witchcraft and things of that nature. And I had dove so far down into a dark, dark way of life. As a matter of fact, if you've seen or paid attention to when I started out, those pictures that you've seen, that was my face all the time. That's, I was just, I, I hated, I had so much anger inside of me. And I came home that night, 
And everybody in the house was speaking in tongues. And I was so angry and so upset. I walked to my room. And as I flung open the door, I remember this prayer cloth fell from behind somewhere. And I seen it and I knew what it was. And I got so angry at it, I picked it up. And I walked to my family. They were all praying and now they were laughing in tongues. And I walked up to them and I said, I don't want you. I don't want your God or your religion. Don't do this anymore. And I threw it in my mom's face. Not proud of that. And I would walk back down to my room. And I would hear my family rejoicing. Because they knew that God was up to something. And it would be a day later that I would see another prayer cloth fall out of my pillow. I would throw it away. And days later, there would be another one. My mom had a dream. About 1997, 98. And in this dream... Remember, I was out partying then. No one knew where I was. And this dream my mother had, I was preaching on a platform. And while I was preaching, I was walking back and forth. I don't know what I was saying, and she didn't tell me about this because she knew how angry I would get. And I'm in and out of jail at the time. And my mom's having dreams of me preaching. In this message that I'm preaching in her dream, I walk down off of the platform. And I'm walking this way. And I'm walking back this direction. I don't know, halfway across the front. My mom and dad is in the audience. Again, this is in her dream. And my mom stands up. She runs up while I'm preaching. Without hesitation, she grabs a hold of my hand and I just continue to walk and talk. And all of a sudden in her dream, she yelled out and she pointed And she said, I told you, devil, you ain't going to have my baby boy. So fast forward to 2016, Kokomo, Indiana. I'm preaching a service. And I'm walking across the platform 
And I go down, and I walk across the front. And about halfway through, my mother is up in the front holding my hand, saying, I told you, devil, you weren't going to have my baby boy. So to any mom and any dad that are sitting on your couch from this church and you got a loved one and you've got a promise from God, they might look like they are having a Jesus crisis moment, but there is Jesus Christ in the midst of it all. Don't give up hope on that loved one. Maybe you're a young person and your parent doesn't go to church. Maybe you have a sister or a brother or an uncle or whoever it is. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. You see, as a church, we got to have that prodigal father love. There's people, oh, hallelujah, there's people that's joining. I want to tell you, there is a light. There's a light to find your way back. Don't worry, there's not anybody that's going to judge you. We don't have time for all that. He's coming back. And if you're a prodigal, I don't want you to be lost right here in this broadcast. We're given a light. If you didn't get all of the message before and you just now jumped on, go back and watch the rest of it. Because there's some instructions on how to be saved, how to go to heaven one day. Church. Don't give up on the lost. Don't give up on the prodigal. I know some might say it's a lost cause. My brother-in-law used to sing a song by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And I remember when I was in the world, he was up singing. Guy by the name of Tracy Lewis. And he looks down at me while he's singing and he points right at me. And he says, I don't believe in lost causes. When the world writes you off, Jesus doesn't write you off. Brother O'Connor.